Good evening from Plughead Studios. I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we are here with episode 487 of F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, for December 10th, 2017. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week, Intel faces new competition, EA begins to respond to backlash, and NiceHash deals with a digital heist. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music Podcasts, the Podcast Play app in the Windows Store, our homes on uh, Stitcher, or of course our live stream platforms, Livestream.com, um, what Livestream.com, Periscope, Mixer, or um, uh, Twitch, or of course on our apps, PlugHitsLive.com slash apps. Thank you for making us a part of your day. Uh, this here is F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, the flagship show on the PlugHits Live family of content. We are live Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, give or take. Uh, for about an hour, and we discuss the news of the week. And uh, there are two ways that you can join us. The first is on Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. You can go to f5live.tv slash join us. And from there, uh, you can see us live and chat with us in the, in the studio as we talk about our topics, which we love. Abram and I love to hear what you have to say about our topics in particular. We like to hear about uh, the Pilch Point, which will be on in just a little bit. We're actually going to do two segments back to back that are kind of related. Uh, Abram's going to be talking about the apples to apples comparison of Ryzen 5 Mobile and Intel Core i5 Mobile, which we've been excited about. Uh, we wanted to do last week, but it's okay. And if you can't join us live, that's all right. You can go to uh, plughitslive.com slash subscribe. And from there, you can subscribe to all of our shows, including this one in the Pilch Point, um, our special events feed, which will feature CES in the very near future, um, and all of our other series there as well. And uh, with that, we might have a little bit of technical difficulties tonight, and I want to apologize, uh, but I think that's the spiel. Let's see if Avram is able to hear me at all. Are you able to hear me? Yes, you've just been uh, coming and going a little bit. Okay. Um, well, hopefully... You know, sometimes you sound like you're like you're really, really like a thousand miles away, and sometimes you sound like you're on the microphone, so... <laughs> Interesting. Uh, um, our, our internet connection here in the studio this evening is um, questionable at best. Uh, for example, I know that Avram is sending me messages, and I'm not receiving them, so... <laughs> I can hear you typing, and I'm not getting anything. So the internet is questionable at best. Uh, so uh, we will do what we can. I see that even one of our live uh, targets is not working tonight. So it's going to be an interesting show. We will uh, we will do what we can. Uh, I guess with that, Abram, how has your week been? All right, pretty busy. Got got our uh, Ryzen versus AMD story live. Uh, that was uh, very cool. Uh, lots of neat neat stuff going on on Laptop Mag and Tom's Guide, and uh, really excited to talk about that and to talk about the Qualcomm announcement from this week because it's all leading up to a very exciting CES and a very exciting 2018 with more competition for 
Intel and more competition in the compute PC space than we've seen in a while. Yeah, and and you and I have talked about it both on and off air, and we're really excited to see, you know, uh, competition breeds new ideas and lack of competition uh, puts us in the kind of rut that we've been in in the PC, PC space for a little while as far as processing power. When AMD was a competitor, we saw the two of them try and leapfrog each other constantly. And we got better and better and better and better processors. And then AMD kind of went, I, we, I don't know what we're doing. And things slowed down quite a bit. So it'll be good to see some competition in that space. And I can't wait to see some of the stuff we're going to see at CES. I want to see that Lenovo Qualcomm computer. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that would be cool. Obviously, we haven't heard much about that. But um, yeah, I think it's going to be exciting. I think I, I anticipate learning a lot more about uh, the latest Intel chips and the latest AMD chips and latest stuff from, from Qualcomm on Windows. So uh, neat stuff. Can't wait to talk about it. And I know there's a lot to talk about uh, even tonight. Yes, indeed. And I guess with that, since we do have two really kind of big stories at the top of the show uh we should get down to it uh in just a minute but i think we should start by reminding people that next week will be a normal show and then in two weeks and three weeks uh we will have a show on a different night uh we will announce next week what night we're going to do that on Avery and i are going to figure out what schedule works best for us Obviously, Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve are not nights that uh, anybody wants to watch us, and we don't really want to uh, talk about this stuff on Christmas Eve or New Year's Eve either. And so uh, we're going to shift our schedule around a little bit. And so next week, we'll tell you exactly what that schedule is going to look like, and Avram and I will figure out what that schedule is going to look like. And then following that, um, after the twenty. 9th or 30th or whatever it happens to be our next show will be from las vegas as the ces pre-show uh either on the 6th or 7th we will figure out what night works best for our broadcast uh but we will keep you up to date on that as well and then we will be at ces for a week so lots and lots of weird scheduling <laughs> over the next couple of weeks uh so we will definitely keep you updated on what that looks like and i guess since we have a lot to talk about Let's get started. Great. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a new computer, a new Xbox, whether it be the Xbox One S or the One X, you're looking for a Surface, you're looking for uh, Windows Mixed Reality, or even uh, the HTC Vive, or you're looking for some great apps uh, for the computer that you already have or are getting during the holidays, um, the Microsoft Store, the redesigned Microsoft Store has it all. Uh, some of the best apps, games, computers, phones, uh, all available by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. And uh, before we get into a little bit of Microsoft news, I find it interesting that Microsoft is selling the uh, Galaxy S8 and uh, 
Note 8 in their stores now. Just throwing that out there. So it doesn't even just have to be Microsoft product. Samsung phones are available from the Microsoft store too. Anyway, um, now we're going to talk about Microsoft and we're going to talk about it or Microsoft related stuff uh, quite a bit. So um, the first is, uh, well, I guess Nifty Gifties and the Pilch Point, we're going to talk about some uh, competition for, for Intel. Um, first, we're going to talk about Qualcomm, which is not probably the company that anybody was expecting me to say just then, but that's okay. Because about a year ago, in fact, almost exactly a year ago, uh, tomorrow, uh, Microsoft showed off the first prototype of Windows 10 on ARM using a Qualcomm 835 processor. They explained how it all was going to work, uh, that there was a virtual processor in the middle that was going to translate uh, ARM processes to x86 or x64 processes and back and forth so that you could run desktop apps on an arm chip which is very different from windows rt which required windows store apps uh and that was except for there were about 22 arm compiled apps including office that you could use on the windows rt that were desktop classic desktop apps but other than that it was just the windows store and at that point uh you know, apps in the Windows Store were uh, uh, low. <laughs> there were there were not a lot of the important ones in the store. Um, now, though, we're seeing full Windows 10. Uh, interestingly, uh, Windows 10 S for uh, both of the computers that were shown off this week. Um, but that still means you know full Windows 10 um, available on an ARM chip. Now, of course, we know that the reason for this is the always-on capability. That's what they've been talking about. Uh, and the Qualcomm chips, theoretically, are supposed to bring increased battery life. Obviously, once this guy gets a hold of some of these laptops, we'll know for sure. And hopefully, we'll be able yeah. to do a new apples to apples on that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Qualcomm was, uh, you know, actually came by our office a couple of weeks ago, and, sh and they brought... Uh, the Asus and the HP uh, laptops with them. Awesome. Uh, so we had a chance to see them. Um, the HP one actually looks pretty nice. Uh, it's uh, what's it? Uh, is it the Elite X2? It's the N I think it's the NVX2. NVX2. I keep getting confused. Okay. That's okay. So we we've seen it. We saw it. It looks nice. It's kind of a it looks a lot like a Surface Surface Pro competitor. Uh, you know, in that it's primarily a tablet and then it has a, you know, it's, it's a tablet first detachable with a, you know, with a included keyboard, uh -huh. um, keyboard cover. Um, and they claim that it lasts 20 hours on a chart. Well, that would revolutionize things because the real problem with the Surface Pro is that the battery life is really, really weak. Yeah. Like normally it's... At best on our test seven hours and that's our you know on our version one test which is very low brightness and, and just web surfing so if you're doing a lot of important stuff you won't be too happy with that now what we don't know is how the performance is going to be on these we know it's not going to be as good right um as as intel i mean like 
like we had a talk with them and like, you know, it's not, I don't think that they expect to be taking on, you know, to be really, you know, beating a core, I, an eighth gen core processor right? or a Ryzen processor in terms of uh, crunching numbers and things. But, um, you know, could it be good enough? Could it be good enough to do productivity work? Uh, you know, to use Office and things and, and surf the web and the things that like 99% of people do 99% of the time. Like, you know, probably, yeah, let's, I mean, let's see. Let's, you know, right. we, I'm concerned a little bit about the storage because they're not using standard PCIe storage. I think they said something like it's UFS storage. Is that, I, they, they, they're still, what they use, what they're using for storage is not, um, you know, I don't know if it's going to achieve the kind of speeds that we normally see. Uh, but we'll, we'll have to see. Um, really, the proof's going to be in the pudding. We're not going to see these things. It, it doesn't sound like, I mean, when we talk to HP about this, they're not even expecting, you know, I, I don't think this is even going to come out until, you know, it's not even going to come out until the spring. So, okay. you know, so I don't know. I mean, maybe by the spring they mean March. I don't know. But, uh my guess is we're not going to see these in, um, you know, available for sale for, for at least two more months. Okay. Um, now, now, you know, the HP one, one of the guys from, um, Qualcomm said he'd been using it for like a day and a half and it had not, um, you know, and it had not, you know, it still had like more almost half the battery left. So we'll have to see, you know, how that is. One sure. of my, one of my biggest concerns about this, though, is the promise of it is really fantastic in that supposedly your computer will be, quote, unquote, always on and sort of like your phone is. Right. So in theory, what they told me, and this is what I really am, fingers crossed, hoping to see, but I don't know, is you have, let's say you have the Outlook open and you close the lid, your laptop goes into a you know, effectively a sleep state. And, but, you know, when you open it again an hour later, all the email that you had been receiving in the last hour was already downloaded because just like on your phone, which downloads data while, while it is asleep, right. your laptop will too. Now, to my understanding, connected standby and Windows doesn't do that today. So, or what they were saying is that it goes into, it doesn't have to go into as deep of a sleep as an Intel laptop goes. Right. Basically. Yeah. It's, it still qualifies under connected standby um, as far as Windows is concerned, but um, it's kind of a new state in reality. That's what I was reading. It, it's... They're still going to give it the same name, but it is a new uh, state within Windows that only exists on certain hardware. Yeah, so that's what I want to see because that's the biggest, uh, like, that's the biggest issue I would like to see solved is having your connectivity continue when your when your laptop is is closed. Yeah, you know, and not having to have it like I've. Because this is, a, I mean, maybe this is a very particular problem, but you probably have this problem at CES. You're uploading a giant video or something to, uh, you know, to YouTube or to the ser your server or whatever, mm -hmm. 
then you're waiting in line at a taxi stand and you have to get into the taxi. And so you close the lid and oh man, now my now my upload is stopped and uh and when it, I come and in a bizarre state. Yeah. And then when you open it up again, unfortunately the way that most upload things work is they don't they don't resume from that state either, which is extremely annoying. Uh -huh. So you've really lost it. Whereas now what I used to do a lot, but this was kind of dicey, was I would just set my laptop not to go to sleep when I closed the lid. Uh -huh. And, you know, and I would close the lid and I would, you know, get into the cab or whatever, or walk around, the whatever. And hopefully it would be uploading while it was in my, while it was closed in my bed, uh -huh. but it would get hot in there and you know i'd open it up and the laptop was burning hot yeah. sometimes it would disconnect uh and i didn't know it uh so one of the things that they have going too is that theirs is going to be uh had all of their laptops are going to have 4g lte built in yes yeah and it's supposed to have a um because of the way the radio in the qualcomm uh chipset works Apparently, the handoff from Wi-Fi to LTE and back again is supposed to be uh, smooth, like a uh, like a either a, an Android or a Windows phone, not um, choppy the way an iPhone or a regular Windows laptop um, with LTE built in uh, usually goes. Right, because you don't want it to be where you get where you're uploading something and it hands off and then it says disconnected and you lose your upload right. or your download. Yeah, exactly. Which, which obviously we see even on, you know, the, the surface 4g version when it goes from, from LTE to, to Wi-Fi because the chipsets are so different, but the way that Qualcomm 835, uh, chipset works, um, apparently the handoff is supposed to be as close to seamless as possible. Well, I mean, that's good. I think one of the remaining questions, of course, is whether or not um, whether or not people are going to spring for the LTE. Uh, I mean, it's going to come with the LTE radio, but whether or not it's going to be whether or not carriers are going to do anything to make this more compelling. Because, you know, right now, if you get a laptop with LTE and LTE radio in it, you know, you no matter what carrier on, you're probably going to be paying at least ten dollars a month extra uh, to get data for that laptop. Versus, hey, wait a second, why don't I just try to use the tethering on my phone? Um, and in some cases, you pay ten dollars a month extra for tethering, so maybe it would even out. But in other cases, you don't have to, or there's, you know, so that's a lot of, you know. That's a lot of, I mean, if you're a frequent business traveler, you know, great. But if you're a frequent business traveler, then uh, you may have a business notebook with this about 4G LTE already in it and your company is paying for it, whatever. But, the, you know, the cost of an incremental more stuff on my bill every month is, is, not very, is not very appealing. And I think one thing is that these laptops are not, designed for business, although a business could buy them. Uh, but so far, Qualcomm has not, I mean, they said, hey, you know, at some point, we're, we're definitely interested in, you know, appealing to business, but like, there's no, um, you know, we don't know anything about there being a Qualcomm ThinkPad or a Qualcomm Elite Book or something. So 
you know, businesses are probably the one, business users are probably the ones who need this the most. Right. And they're, and that's not their first target. Right. Which is uh, obviously is a little su- surprising may, or maybe, or maybe not. Maybe they're starting, maybe they're trying to start with, uh, just testing the waters with consumers or, you know, who, who knows what their exact plans are, but yeah, it is, it does seem like it would be business customers who would be their, their ideal market. And yet, um, no, <laughs> that's, that's not what we're seeing. Um, yeah, because most consumers I know do not, I mean, maybe this would change their lifestyle so to speak, their laptop lifestyle. Sure. But most consumers I know do not leave the house, do not take their laptop everywhere and expect it to be connected everywhere. That's what their phone is for. And, you know, I think it would be cool to be able to treat, I mean, there are many people in business who treat their laptops that way, but um, I don't know if you're going to change the, you know, laptop lifestyle of consumers um, such that, their laptop's going to replace going to replace their phone right you know or going to be used alongside their phone as just to do consumery things like go sh- like shop or or check the email or whatever like sure. you know i take my laptop with me somewhere it's cuz i need to get work done and believe <laughs> me you know you can't really get work no matter what people say you can't really get work done as well on your on your phone as you can on, on a real pc but you know, that is for sure. people who are not trying needing to get work done wherever they go, um, you know, they're not they're not necessarily going to see this as particularly the 4G portion of it as particularly compelling. Yeah. I think. I, but um, I think so too. But obviously, only only time can tell on that particular front. Yeah, we you and I may end up being surprised. Consumers may may get super excited about it who knows may maybe the other thing though that that uh Qualcomm, probably microsoft i don't know whose fault this is is doing to shoot this project in the foot is, is launching it on windows 10s i mean that's such a bad idea i mean the whole point of this was that it can run any windows program uh-huh so what do you do you ship it out of the box with an operating system that can't run any Windows program. Uh-huh. Now, people people can upgrade it to Windows 10 Pro for free, mm-hmm. which I highly recommend that everybody does. There's no logical reason on earth to use Windows 10 S. Um, you know, Microsoft says that Windows 10 S is faster and cleaner, but their version of faster and cleaner is because you didn't install any software. So, you know, if you want regular Windows to be faster and cleaner, don't run software, I guess. But, um, you know, the point of this, that what's really impressive about this is that you can run more than Windows Store apps on this processor. Right. So the fact that they're launching it with an operating system that only runs Windows Store apps makes, and that was the knock on Windows RT, um, you know, which which was the last time they tried to do a, a partnership with Qualcomm to run Windows, uh, is a huge mistake. What they're basically doing is they're putting, saying it can do one thing and then shipping it, shipping it out of the box, not doing it. Now, so now to be fair, Windows 10s runs uh, apps. 
installed from the Microsoft Store. Though that doesn't yes. that doesn't disqualify desktop apps, but they just have to be distributed through the Microsoft Store, which includes iTunes. Like there there's a lot of desktop software available in the Microsoft Store now. So it's not the same level of of uh, restriction that RT was, to be fair. Huh. I think though that Office you still need Pro. Do you not, or do you? you can you run run regular Office three sixty five? Um, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, if you can install both versions from the store, obviously I know that the, the light version is available, but I don't know. Right. I don't know if the full version is available from the store. Obviously I have not personally used S, but I know that RT came with the desktop office. I don't think that's the case here, but I just. There's a reason why. It's Windows 10 S because S is the letter that comes between R and T. <laughs> oh, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> that was, oh, that was good. That was uh, frightening though. Because it's just. Oh. Uh. Um, if you, if you search for word, in the Microsoft Store, the first thing that comes up is Office 365, and it says shop on Microsoft.com. So that probably means that it it doesn't qualify as coming from the store necessarily, but that doesn't mean that it's not also disqualified from uh, install restrictions. I would have to try it to know for sure. Because it's it yeah. is definitely a weird situation because the 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 Microsoft Store dot com or uh, Windows Store dot com that used to be where all the apps were uh, URLed doesn't exist anymore. It now all goes through Microsoft dot com slash your language slash store, which is the same place that Office comes from. So I don't know the answer. It may. It may be that if it's installed from Microsoft.com, it may also be excluded from the restrictions. I don't know. It is an interesting question, though. I would. Lo- it seems like of, of all things for them to restrict, Office would be the worst. For even for S, which was originally intended for students, it seems like it would be a a bad idea to prevent students from installing Office. Yeah, also, they're not marketing these laptops, these Qualcomm laptops, as being exclusively for students. Right. The the S seems to no longer stand for student. Uh, it seems to, I don't know what it seems to, it was what it was originally intended for, but that obviously went away almost immediately. It stands for crippleware. I mean, <laughs> it. there's no benefit to the user, whether you're a student or not. To having Windows 10 S, it's like, hey, here's your Windows, and by the way, you can only run Edge. You can't run any browser you want. You can only run things to the Microsoft Store, which a lot of 
apps do not do not appear in. Uh, so, you know, and we claim that it's faster, but the reason that it's faster is because you can't run the apps you want to run. Well, and then it's a free upgrade to get rid of Windows 10s. So Microsoft is hoping that people will not realize or consider that there's a problem, run Edge because they really want people to run Edge, uh, and and download things from the App Store because that's how they make some money. So, you know, they're hoping that people use Windows 10s because it's good for Microsoft's bottom line. But I don't see. But they have never shown a benefit, a real benefit to the to the user. Um, I just asked Microsoft, and they told me. You can absolutely install Office 365 on Windows 10S. <laughs> so, just <laughs> that's that's the fun about doing this show live. <laughs> I just just verified them with them while we were talking. Anyway, yeah, I um, if you were if you were a middle school or a high school, and you were trying to keep the computers that you owned secure. I see where Windows 10 S comes in. But if you're an individual with a computer, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, no thanks. I not interested. I'm totally with you. I I I can see certain places within within the education market where the concept makes sense but in general yeah it i think it's a a generally silly concept and it bothers me to no end that that's what comes on the surface laptops because <laughs> that seems bizarre beyond any reasoning um all right so obviously we don't know a whole lot on the performance we haven't you've you've gotten to to see them, but we haven't been able to put them through any kind of tests yet. Hopefully we'll see after, after the third one is officially announced and shown off at CES, hopefully you guys will be able to start getting your hands on and we'll be able to start seeing some, some tests come out of these. Um, I'm really curious on battery and performance, obviously the two big things. The the big the big up and the big down on bat battery performance and how many things actually work with the connected standby. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's a good point too. See if you can uh see if you can do a, a big upload through you know, WordPress or something like that and close the lid, go from Wi Fi to LTE and then LTE to Wi Fi and see if it keeps going. Yeah, that would be a great set of tests. Yeah. I wanna see that too. I was wrong on yeah. my initial list uh, there are three <laughs> yeah um but that's not intel's only competition we um intel also has new competition from the reinvigorated uh, amd and we will talk about that in just a minute This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by Monster Products. The headphones on my head right now, the Monster Elements, available in on-ear, over-ear, and in-ear styles. But you don't just have to have the Elements. There's a whole line of headphones, whether they be 
on-ear, in-ear, wired, Bluetooth, uh, designed for sport, designed for hardcore music listening. There's a whole line of headphones that are available, plus, of course, the uh, Bluetooth speakers from the little hotshot to the giant monster blaster, and all of the cables and power supplies to connect them and all of your other devices as well, whether it be your phone and computer or your TV and uh, the home theater system. And it's all available by going to plughitslive.com slash monster. And that music means that it is time for the Pilch Point with online editorial director of Laptop Magazine and Tom's Guide, Abram Pilch. Abram! Hey! We should probably warn our new viewers that the internet connection in the studio is weird this evening. Um, I managed to get through the entire promo before Monster's website loaded. So, uh, if we have any weird connectivity issues, don't worry. Everything's okay. Uh, the studio is just, um, I don't know, falling apart. Anyway, <laughs> we just talked on uh, on the... Uh, Nifty Gifties about the new Qualcomm powered Windows computers, but you made a promise for us last week that uh, we were going to get to talk apples to apples, AMD to Intel. Yes. So big, big, big news. AMD Ryzen Mobile, AMD's new new mobile chip for laptops, uh, which is supposed to take Intel 8th generation Core i5 and Core i7 on and uh, actually lives up to the hype and in many cases outperformed a similarly specced Intel laptop. Now, now, this is one laptop because right now the only laptop that you can get with AMD Ryzen Mobile is is the HP Envy X360 2-in-1. now, supposedly, there's an Acer Swift Swift 5 coming out with Ryzen, and there's going to be a Lenovo IdeaPad coming out with Ryzen Mobile. Uh, but so far, uh, we haven't seen either of those available for sale. So uh, as of a uh, couple weeks, as of the other day, the only one for sale is the HP Envy XC60 2-in-1, which comes with both Ryzen 5 and you can get with Core i5. Uh, so we got one of each, uh, almost identically spec. The Intel one, for some reason, we could only get it with 12 gigabytes of RAM, while the AMD one had 8 gigabytes of RAM. Huh. Uh, but they both had 256 gigabyte SSDs and 1080p screens and were the same laptop, although the AMD one actually comes in a nicer color. It's like a charcoal color versus a, a silver. Uh, not charcoal, like a copper versus silver. But um, anyway, uh, so we took them, we put them through a series of tests. Uh, and what we found is, in some cases, the Intel did better. And in other cases, AMD did better. But overall, AMD uh, won more tests, and it massively beat the Intel on graphics. So uh, Ryzen 5 is the equivalent of Core i5. And just like 8th Gen Core, uh, Ryzen Mobile has four cores and eight threads. Uh, it uses a uh, 15-watt thermal design profile, TDP, just like the Intel chips. Uh, and 
the Ryzen 5 2500U, which is the chip we tested, uh, is very similar to a Core i5-8250U, although the Ryzen chip uh, has a higher base clock speed and a slightly higher turbo speed. Now, on uh, Geekbench 4, which is an overall performance test that measures processing power, Intel still came out ahead by uh, by a, a comfortable margin of like about you know twelve thousand four hundred to ninety eight hundred. So you know the higher is better. Uh, that 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 one was was not close. But on Cinebench, which measures rendering performance, AMD slightly AMD edged out. Um, AMD edged edged out by about ten percent. Was about ten percent faster than the Intel Core i5. Uh, when it came to doing something as single core uh, spreadsheet, uh, when it came to not single, when it came to running Excel macro, the two of them were about tied, finishing within five seconds of each other. Uh, but when it came to video transcoding with Handbrake, again there was a significant difference. We you know we transcoded a 4K video to 1080p. Uh, and the Ryzen chip was about two and a half minutes faster. Uh, finally, when we started two, to two, play games... Two and a half minutes faster on a total render time of how long? 20 minutes. Okay. So so the AMD finished in 17 minutes and 48 seconds, and the Intel 20 minutes and 4 seconds. Okay. So doing the math, that's like what? more? That's more than 10% difference. Yeah. yeah. Um, but when it comes to things that involve gaming, there's that's not even close, uh, and that's because the AMD Radeon, uh, you know, the AMD's uh, processor, their integrated graphics uh, is Radeon Vega graphics are far superior to Intel's uh, UHD graphics. Even when I've talked to Intel, they pretty much admit, listen, AMD's integrated graphics is better. In fact, hasn't Intel basically tacitly admit that because we heard about that partnership? Uh, that's supposed to be happening between the two of them, between AMD and Intel, um, you know, where, where AMD is to supply the integrated graphics. So, uh -huh. um, so I think everybody knows because of their, probably because of their heritage owning the Radeon uh, line, yeah. AMD has far better integrated graphics, even if you don't, you know, far better graphics, even if you don't have one of the discrete cards. Right. So uh, when we played Dirt 3, which is a fairly low-end, a very low-end racing game, which you can run on even, you know, a fairly low-end chip. Uh, the Intel Core i5 uh, got 27 frames per second. So 30 frames is really what's playable. So it's just below playable. The Ryzen got more than three times that 90, 90 frames per second. So Ooh. that's a, that's a, that's like, you know, over three times the performance difference. Uh, when we played wow. right now, unfortunately, though, you if you're trying to play a game that really demands discrete graphics, this isn't going to get you over the hump. Sure. So we played Rise of the Tomb Raider at 1080p, and that's what we consider our budget gaming test, right? Like okay. we use that on low-end laptops with discrete graphics normally. Uh, the Core i5 laptop was a slideshow-like 5.7 frames per second. I mean, you might as well just take a screenshot and stare at it, right? The Ryzen 5 was a fast-moving slideshow-like 
15 frames per second. So, so like I said, you can't, you're getting better graphics, but they're still not good enough to make this a gaming rig. Okay. Uh, they're, you know, so, but the, but the integrated graphics on this are still going to be better than the integrated graphics on its Intel equivalent, seemingly uh, by in, a wide in, margin in both tests by about triple. Yes, it also did better by about fifteen percent on three D Mark I Storm as well. So, you know, no doubt the graphics are better, uh, but for a lot of people that may not matter in the price band and the type of laptop that you're getting because if you're getting integrated graphics, you're probably not a gamer in the first place. You can't really play games on this anyway. Right. So you can play video, 4K videos on anything. So I don't know if it's going to be performance that most people need. Because if you really want to game or you really want graphics might, then you're going to get a discrete card in the first place. But uh, one final thing I'll mention, the battery life was on the two units was within five minutes of each other. So pretty much identical. Okay. Uh, both of them lasted about five hours and 10 minutes. So not, um, not good, but not different from each other. So I would, so I, I wouldn't blame the CPU for that. I would blame the rest of the laptop. Like uh, maybe the battery is not, you know, not very large or the 15 inch screen is, is eating up a lot of juice or whatever. But, um, you know, obviously the, the two of them are, are, were tied on battery life. At least on this laptop. Sure. Now we'll see on other laptops to come. Uh, but uh, you know what that suggests to me is, it, our, our initial conclusion based on all these numbers is, is very simple. If you're buying a laptop like the Envy that is available in either flavor, either with Ryzen or Intel, or you're just sitting out there and you want to buy a laptop and the only flavor it comes in is Ryzen, don't hesitate because the performance should be at least as good as Intel. It may, it may be lesser on a couple of tests as we saw on the Geekbench test, and also we saw on some app opens, although we don't know how much of that was maybe differences in the SSD, but things sure. were maybe half a second. Things open maybe half, the three apps we tried uh, multiple times, things open an average of like half a second faster on the Intel one. You know, maybe that's within you know, maybe that's within breathing, sneezing distance to not matter. I don't know. But um, the, uh, you know, it, it's possible that, that other factors on, on the individual laptops play a part there too. So, right. so who knows? But um, I, I, we did that because AMD had made some claims originally that look how much faster Ryzen opens things than our last processor. And I was like, oh, I guess it, it opens things, opens apps faster. Uh, but anyway, I think the overall message is, Ryzen has really leveled the playing field with AMD has really leveled the playing field with Intel. There's not many laptops out there right now uh, that that run that are available with Ryzen Mobile. But if there's one that you're interested in, don't hesitate. Um, you know, it seems that the battery life is the same. Uh, this one, by the way, also stayed cool because we've seen some AMD laptops that got really warm in the past. Uh -huh. it, it stayed cool. It stayed cool throughout the testing. The performance was equal to within striking distance of or better than Intel and much better than Intel on, on graphics. And as of right now, 
the AMD version of the MBX 360 is $100 cheaper than the Intel one. So I was, you're paying less for, less for more. I was trying to look that up myself, but obviously, like we said at the beginning of the show, internet here in the studio is not great today. So now, I, can't, now, I haven't been able to get the price of the Intel one. That won't always be the case. Sure. Right. So I would recommend people to buy whichever is cheaper if you had a, because I don't think the performance difference is so dramatic that you should pay extra for it. But you certainly shouldn't pay extra not to, to avoid it. Right. So uh, yeah. during uh, the holiday season, you know, we're in the holiday season, but during like last week uh, you know, or the week before last when I was starting work on this story, the Intel was actually $100 cheaper than the AMD. Okay. Because the Intel was on a sale. Sure. So, so in that case, I would have said, if you asked me, I would have said buy the Intel because while the performance numbers were a little better on AMD, not so much that a lot of people would notice on this type of laptop. Sure. And save your hundred dollars. Sure. You know. So, so my advice is, you know, all things else being equal, get whichever one is cheaper. As of right this second, they actually on air right now they appear to be fifty dollars different but again changes every day I, you're I, look, are you looking at best buy because that's the main place that you would get them okay i'm looking on hp's website hp's website oh hp's website is you know for, does not always have the best prices on these things and from second to second you could refresh right now and it might change <laughs> anyway it could be <laughs> hp website it could be best buy sure uh, anywho Bottom line is, you know, we'll we'll continue to test if we get in some more Ryzen laptops. We like to see how Ryzen seven compares to Core i seven, yeah. for example. We like to see how this is when it's not on uh, this HP laptop because I understand this one may actually have more aggressive cooling than uh, I've heard. This one may have more aggressive cooling mm-hmm. than 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 others may. So it may actually uh, the AMD chip is made to. Uh, do a higher turbo speeds if it's cooler. Okay. If the if cooling system is better, they have a feature I think called extended frequency range that will do that. So I don't know whether this is actually we couldn't tell from our test whether this is actually being cooled better. Um, well, we don't have another one to compare it to either. So right, right. Uh, so we'll have to see, you know. But uh, in this limited sample set, uh, this is quite groundbreaking because AMD has been an also ran in the performance uh, processor space, yeah. or really even the mainstream processor space for years. Uh, and so uh, AMD has some swagger back, and that's, that's good. <laughs> it de- you know, and it's definitely they're gonna, good. They're going to have to get some design wins where they're on laptops that are more impressive laptops uh, than this one because, it, it, you know, the NVX 360 was not a particularly exciting laptop. So, uh, and the Acer Swift 5, Nice budget laptop, but it's not a particularly exciting laptop either. Right. It it could be also that uh that the manufacturers are being cautious going into AMD laptops because the AMD laptops have been known to be the uh, the bargain basement ones. They were your two hundred dollar Black Friday computers in years past, and so. AMD is going to have to do something to to make it clear we're not the AMD we were 12 months ago um, when people are buying. So the manufacturers may be going into it cautiously, putting them into some of the 
theoretically less impressive hardware to begin with, which makes sense, especially when you come to, to HP, who seems to be the company who's willing to, to try all kinds of things that nobody else is really willing to, to jump out <laughs> and try. Uh, so it, it kind of makes sense that they're, they're being a little cautious on it. So uh, it'll be nice to see this show up on some more computers. Uh, I can't imagine that we'll see too much talked about at CES, but possibly at um, uh, what's what's the other one? The one that you go to with Computex. That one will work. Com no, I, I I actually think we are going to hear a lot more from AMD at, at Computex. That's what I was thinking. Um, oh, no, 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 no! I'm sorry, at, at CES. Oh, at CES. I do think we're going to hear. Stay tuned. I do think we're going to hear a lot more from uh, AMD at CES. Okay. Well, uh, because when they made this announcement, they said, you know, you know, sometime soon you're going to hear about uh -huh. other forms of Ryzen, like you know, this was only for ultrabooks, only for like mainstream laptops, but they still have to try and compete, and they still intend, I think, to try and compete in higher wattage, like in gaming to take on like Intel's HQ series and HK series processors. Sure. So, okay. uh, I think we may hear about that at CES. I really do. Do you think we're going to hear about the processors? Do you think we're going to see some laptops announced? Both. Okay. I think, I think, well, I think we will hear about, I mean, I honestly, look, I, I'm not having any information under embargo that I'm hinting at, but sure, I, sure. I think that we will, hear about more with the Ryzen mobile chips that exist now. Okay. And then I think we will hear about the new CPU. Okay, cool. Well, it sounds like for the first time in a while, uh, CES is going to be exciting for computer people this year. Because it's been, it's been a little while since computer people have gotten excited about CES, so much so that Microsoft doesn't exhibit anymore. Like, it's... <laughs> So it'll be nice to see, you know, Lenovo is going to show off their Qualcomm computer and hopefully AMD and partners will show off some, some new computers. This will be, this will be exciting. You're, uh, you're gonna have your hands full this year. <laughs> well, um, Avram, as always, I, we appreciate you bringing the, uh, the really like nitty gritty stuff to us. I know. I know I cannot be the only one who is excited to talk about this tonight. So, uh, as always, yeah. thank you. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's a great, uh, it's great to see competition. Oh, yeah. and I just real quick want to say, if you want to read the whole article, uh, go to laptopmag.com. Fantastic. Um, I was going to ask you if, uh, if we could read the whole thing. Fantastic. Okay. Well, um, I guess, as far as uh, this is concerned, uh, we will talk to you next week. This week, Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. All of the products to enhance your gaming experience, whether it be on a PC or console, is available through Razer. And whether you're looking for a, a new gaming mouse or a keyboard 
or laptop, or you're even looking for a good companion phone to go along with your gaming experience, uh, you can find all of that and a lot of it on special right now uh, by going to f5live.tv slash razor. All right. Um, a quick follow-up to a topic we talked about a couple of weeks ago, and that is EA. EA launched uh, Star Wars Battlefield, what, Battlefront 2 uh, a couple of weeks ago to a lot of criticism, and the criticism was over uh, loot boxes and microtransactions and the idea that it could cost like $5,000 to um, get all of the in-game content, which, you know, for a video game seems like a tremendous amount of money, and it is. And so before, just before the game came out, the company decided to pull all of that out of the game um, and release it without any of the microtransaction uh, concept. Well, in the couple of weeks since we talked about it last, some interesting things have happened. Uh, first, oh, I guess we should say that they, the company said when they made the announcement that, um, that the loot crates, loot boxes, and uh, microtransactions would come back into the game at some point in the future when the company could figure out how to do it properly. <clears throat> now, <laughs> since we last talked about it, some interesting things have happened. First, the um, online community has been very vocal against bringing back the microtransactions and uh, paid-for in-game currency into the game. And second, a number of government organizations have begun to look into the idea of loot boxes, in particular the way that EA implemented them in this game, um, as online gambling. Because you pay a real-world amount of money and receive a an unknown, uh, potentially worthless collection of things. And so, on an investor call this week, the chief financial officer of the company said, over time we'll address how we want to bring the microtransactions either into the game or not, and what form we will decide to bring it into. That is the first time that EA has even hinted at the idea that the microtransactions would not return to the game. Um, he then went on to say, clearly we're focused on listening to the consumer and understanding what, what the consumer wants, and that's evolving constantly. But we're working on improving the progression system, which is where the microtransactions uh, really came in. Uh, we turned the microtransactions off as an opportunity to work on the progression system inside the game. We're continuing to update that. So they're trying to figure out, from the sounds of it, they are trying to figure out how the progression system within the game will work going forward, likely without the microtransaction concept, because... They're getting their name dragged through the mud uh, for the important core gamer. And um, if a government agency decides that this is online gambling, they'd have to pull it out anyway. So, so um, we may not see uh, microtransactions come back into the game, which I think uh, Avram will agree with me on is a uh, benefit. So, here's what I don't understand. Does this mean 
you pay one price for the game and you get are able to get everything in the game? Not necessarily. Um, there, there is still a progression system, and uh, as you level up, you get things. Um, it's likely that the end result of how this will work is more like the way that um, like Overwatch works, where as you progress through the game, they give you um, the boxes that contain the things that that apply to your new status um or they give you the in-game currency which they already do um as it stands now they give you the in-game currency as you progress and you can purchase the elements that you want more like how um say the racing games uh asphalt games like that similar to how that plays uh, but, minus the real world transactions and, but then you still have to like, where does where does real world money come into this, or does it, or do you only get uh, money through doing things in the game? Today, the only way you can get it is through doing things in the game. Um, so, for better or worse, you you don't you don't spend anything except the cost of the game. Correct. That seems good to me. Yeah, um, you and I have been talking. Uh, on and off since uh, Nintendo launched Super Mario Jump or whatever the game was called um, that only came with like one level and then you had to buy uh, additional levels in the game. And you and I have been saying, I would much rather pay for a game and get a game and play it. <laughs> but here's the question. Isn't it only gambling if what you if the microtransaction is for a, a random box of stuff? rather than if the microtransaction is for a specific thing. That is that is currently how it works. It is for the... You would be buying an in-game currency, which then is used to buy a box of unknown contents. But can't you just pay to unlock? Like, I've, I've had a number of games where it's like, oh, would you like this extra level? Or would you like to level up sooner uh -huh. without having to put all the hours in or would you like to like asphalt would you like this car now rather than having to race like 200 times to get enough credits to get it sure buy credits with real money but that's not that's not a game of chance because you right. know exactly what you're getting correct and so but that's not how this works but why wouldn't they do just do that that is likely the direction they will head when uh when all of this is done they made they made a very last-minute decision uh, to pull the microtrans the the existing concept out of the game, uh, and they lowered all the requirements to earn in-game uh, credits by like seventy-five percent. And um, now they're trying to figure out well, how do we get back <laughs> to? something similar to our original intent that that's well, yeah. that's where they are right now i un i understand why it would be viewed as gambling but on the other hand if you take that to its logical conclusion anything where you pay money and where you pay money and you're not 100 percent sure what you're going to get could uh -huh. be considered gambling right like uh if i go to uh i'm trying to remember the name of it now but when i was in in taiwan 
this was fun. We went to this mall where they had all these, oh, Gashapon. They had all these like Japanese machines uh-huh. where you put money, you put a token in and it would give you like a, a little toy would come out, Yep. you know, in a little, you know, plastic egg or whatever. Is that gambling? Because you don't know which toy you're going to get or, you know, or, or the, uh, the similar machines at the, uh, at the supermarket where you put in a quarter or two and it spits out an egg with a little thing. They're not as interesting as the things that the, the Japanese machines spit out for sure. But yeah, yeah is, is that gambling? I don't know. It, it right. I, I mean, <laughs> there's, there's definitely a weird thing that's being breached here, but it's, uh, it's existing in a couple of places. Um, uh, somewhere in Hawaii, uh, uh, some group in Congress and somewhere else are all uh, investigating it together. Or not together, but individually. All three are doing investigations on whether or not this should be considered gambling. So it it's definitely bizarre, but I do understand why EA at this point is just like, uh-oh, hold on. Uh, we may not get back into that at all. Give us a little bit of time. We've got some new things percolating. <laughs> uh, so we <clears throat> we told you guys that we would be following this one because it is interesting from a number of places. <laughs> um, the the legal aspect of it, the uh, the consumer aspect of it. There's there's definitely a lot of a lot of places where this is interesting. So. This will definitely not be the last time you hear about it. Whether or not it'll be on the show or just on the site, I don't know. But uh, we will definitely continue to follow this because it is fascinating on multiple fronts. This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is proudly powered by Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies or let the professionals do it for you because that's what they get paid to do. The guys who used to do Mystery Science Theater 3000 are back and doing what they do best, making fun of movies. Uh, from blockbusters to Astro Zombies, they've obviously got a little bit of everything. The way it normally works is for a couple of dollars, you download the MP3. Uh, through your phone, on the app, or however, and play it along with your DVD, Netflix, Amazon, wherever the movie happens to live, and laugh. Uh, From time to time, they change things up and uh, do some live events. The live events for 2017, since the year is almost over, have completed. 2018 has not yet been announced, but uh, hopefully they will do some of the the good old uh, MST3K days, uh, which have been some of my favorites. Um, to find out what movies are available and which ones are on special right now, plus, of course, what short films they have riffed, you can go to f5live.tv slash tracks with an X. You know, some of these promos are difficult without the internet. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, I think when... When 2017 is complete, we will all remember it as the year of uh, cryptocurrency. It's it's the year that 
that the public certainly became aware of it. I know uh, we talked to the somebody from Bitcoin at CES in like 2011. It's it's been around for a while, but I think the public has really become aware of it this year, and that could have something to do with the massive spike in value, in particular in the last, let's say, 60 days, where um, almost exactly 60 days ago today, on October 11th, the value of a single coin was f just under 5,000. And uh, earlier this week on uh, exchange GDAX, the value was just shy of 20,000 per coin, which is a massive value increase just in 60 days. And uh, if you go back not that long, you will find it uh, under $1,000 a coin. And so a lot of people have become aware of it this year. Obviously, with the increase in the value, the idea of a uh, an exchange heist was inevitable. And this week we, uh, we saw one, obviously... Uh, nobody was going to try and go after somebody like Coinbase because too many resources behind the uh, the top tier, but a middle tier uh, heist made sense, and so uh, Nice Hash was uh, was broken into broken into trying to use bank terms because I think it's more fun. Uh, they they had a data breach and um, about. 4,700 coins, uh, give or take, were taken. And if you take that uh, top uh, exchange value, it's uh, about $92.5 million worth of uh, Bitcoin was stolen. <clears throat> if you don't know how the, how the exchanges work, essentially um, think of it differently from a bank. Um, in with a bank, mo you know, people put money in and uh, take it out or use it to pay others as needed, but they maintain their balance at the bank. In the case of Bitcoin and the exchanges, that's a terrible idea. The only time you ever want to put money into the exchange is when you are trying to exchange it. Um, so in this case, this was this was all people theoretically in the midst of a transaction who transferred their coin, the ownership of their coins from themselves to uh, NiceHash, who was brokering a deal, would transfer the money and then pass the cash back to the original and the Bitcoin to the wallet of the new person, who would then hopefully take it out of their online wallet because nothing on the internet is secure. Anyway, um, that's a lot of money. $92 million uh, stolen all in just one quick. Uh, I have not been able to quite figure out if nice hash is uh, like like um, Coinbase where the transactions are FDIC insured because uh, their site's down. <laughs> mm. And... Uh, in its place is the press release about, uh-oh, uh, we lost uh, everything. And that that's what's up in its place. So the entire service is down. Um, after it happened, the Coinbase service um, crashed. 
not because of an attack or anything, but because of people either trying to move transactions over to Coinbase or um, people trying to get their money out of Coinbase before uh, something happened over there. So their availability was spotty too, which made uh, making transactions very difficult because the largest exchange was mostly unavailable. And uh, because of that, we saw that $20,000 value of Bitcoin uh, drop to less than $14,000 a coin uh, in a single day. Actually, in just Uh, a matter of hours. So I guess that would be a good time to buy Bitcoin. (laughs) Indeed. Um, In fact, uh, if you could have gotten onto a service to buy Bitcoin, um, then yes, uh, most of the exchanges were definitely in trouble. Uh, as As they came back, and in particular as Coinbase came back up, uh, the value the rest of that day rose back up to about 16. But at one point, it did take um, a uh, 30% value cut in about an hour and a half to two hours. <laughs> Just, um, which was obviously that's a huge value hit. And then it gained uh, some of that back later. It seems like a really, I mean, it's very hard for folks, even for me, to understand exactly how the blockchain works. That and the blockchain, for, for those who don't know, is the is the technology that the concept that under undergirds uh, that supports Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. It's the technology that makes that creates the concept of value. Right. So, I I don't totally understand what how you create the concept of value for for bitcoin uh but you know here's the problem almost no stores actually accept bitcoin for payment correct uh support has come and gone on services um i know microsoft started uh uh accepting it at one point but i think it went away Uh, steam accepted it for a while but as the value became so volatile, especially over the last couple of days. Um, Steam has pulled support for it. So it it comes and goes in a weird way. As right now, with it being so so obviously volatile in in price, you know, going from twenty thousand to fourteen thousand for a single coin in a matter of hours, um, the idea of wanting to do transactions in Bitcoin is a dangerous one for for a retailer in particular. Um, but the idea of doing it as an exchange makes sense. So the, the value prop is going to change on the front end some, but the back end of the blockchain will continue to have its value. Yeah, I mean, I guess the, the good thing for... I mean, I could, you know, we were talking about this at work the other day, and uh, I know a lot of uh, economists and other people have sort of criticized Bitcoin as being kind of imaginary currency. But, you know, honestly, if you think about it, all money is sort of based on based on a conception that, hey, we're going to sign this piece of paper value. Uh-huh. We're going to sign Bitcoin value. So, you know, other uh, currencies are backed 
you know, by government, Bitcoin is not. But, um, you know, I mean, they're all it's all a matter of whether or not people consider it to have value. Right. It's all about the faith in the issuer at this point. You know, the U.S. currency used to be backed by gold. It's now based. It's now backed by the faith in the issuer, like most other currencies. And Bitcoin is no different. So, yeah, right now there's faith in the issuer. Uh, will that change? I don't know. In researching uh, this story, I read um, two different uh, articles that were written by uh, you know experts in the field. One predicted that in five years, uh, the value of a single coin will be $55,000. And uh, somebody else predicted that um, in a year, it'll have a value of zero. So... <laughs> And they both made good arguments for their points. So I eh? I don't know. Uh, it it all comes down to can can the distributed processing concept maintain its value for those who need the processing? And can paying the people for the distributed processing maintain its faith. That's that's really where it comes down to. Uh, if if so, great. If not, you know, if so, maybe you see fifty five thousand dollars in five years. If not, uh, maybe the concept goes away by twenty nineteen. I don't know. I'm I know enough. Well, I know a frightening amount about the technology. <laughs> of the blockchain, but from a, from an economist standpoint, uh, I don't know. That's not what I trained for. <laughs> it's definitely put people like us into a difficult position of, of talking about economics in a way that we just never prepared ourselves for. Yeah. <laughs> We never quite expected a legitimate digital economy and a, a, um, a commodity system based on uh, nothing <laughs> and that we would be the go-to people on it. I, I don't think any of us were ever prepared for that, but it is an interesting technology um, from a from a distributed computing standpoint. I mean... We know that distributed computing works. Ask um, the SETI pro uh, pro project or um, the the folding at home project out of, I think, Stanford. Um, the idea of distributed computing works. And if you can distribute transactional data and then pay the people who process the transactions for it, it makes sense. But... Who knows what's going to happen here? I guess the important thing to take away from all of this is if you're getting into Bitcoin or Ethereum or any of the other uh, cryptocurrencies right now, know that you should not store your currency in an exchange. You only transfer what you need to to your online wallet so that you can convert it into another currency do not leave your currency in an exchange transfer it to an offline wallet 
immediately upon receiving it and keep it there. Put it on a flash drive. Keep it in your pocket. I don't lock it in a vault. It doesn't matter what you do with it, but for the love of God, do not keep it in somebody's online wallet because this is what happens. This week's DRM not included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. We all know you get free shipping sometimes same day from Amazon Prime, but what not everybody knows is you get a lot of other really cool stuff included in the service you may already have, including Amazon Prime Music, which has millions of songs available to you for free to stream just about anywhere you are. There's Amazon Prime Video, which Avram and I have talked about a number of times. There's a lot of really cool stuff on there, including originals like The Man in the High Castle um, <clears throat> that are that are available at no additional cost, and you can watch it on your, your Xbox or PlayStation, on your computer or your phone. There's also Twitch Prime. If you're a Twitch user, uh, you can use uh, a single... A free subscription every month, which is a really cool capability and a really nice way to support your favorite streamer. And uh, Amazon Prime Photos, which gives you unlimited photo storage and five gigs of video storage uh, as part of your existing Prime uh, setup. So if you uh, you have a phone and you're not keeping your stuff backed up to, to another place, OneDrive or iCloud or wherever, um, take a look at Amazon Prime Photos so that you don't end up with the uh, blue problem that we talked about last week where uh, everything you have goes away. Uh, that's not all. There's a lot of other features available included in your benefits as well. And you can find out about all of those benefits. And if you're not already a subscriber, sign up for a free 30-day subscription by going to f5live.tv slash Amazon. Um, okay. Speaking of Amazon, let's talk about their uh, back and forth tug of war with Google and the fact that uh, Amazon does not allow uh, a number of, of Google capabilities on their hardware and Google seems to, uh, and Amazon doesn't allow some of their stuff on Google hardware and there's there's been this weird back and forth. You can't, you can't Chromecast an Amazon Prime video. At, there's been a battle back and forth. And so uh, Google has decided to make the next move in this competition, and that is to pull YouTube support from Amazon products. Uh, the Amazon Echo Show is going to lose uh, um, YouTube support, I think, this coming Tuesday. And uh, January 1st, the... Um, the Amazon Fire Stick is going to lose uh, YouTube support, and it's because Google claims that Amazon is preventing them from having uh, uh, full full support from Amazon, and this is either some sort of negotiation tactic or retaliation tactic or some kind of something. I don't know if they're trying to be punitive or they're trying to be it's a negotiation. I don't know, uh, but it's definitely an interesting move for YouTube, who is already in the midst of uh, their own 
internal problems. It seems like a weird time to limit your user base. What do you think, Abram? Uh, well, I see. I, I think this is a, an interesting issue because Amazon is trying. Amazon, it's interesting. Everybody thinks of Amazon as a place where you can buy anything. But there's a lot of things that Amazon either they won't carry or they sort of carry because you can get it through their marketplace, but not ne not necessarily at the latest and greatest uh, prices and things like that. So, and, and almost certainly not covered by Amazon Prime. Right. So, for example, you know, so if I want to get a Chromecast uh -huh. and I go to Amazon and I search for it, uh, I'm looking... Uh, you know, I actually don't, I see, I, I see things that look like a Chromecast <laughs> and are, and are not, Uh huh. you know, they they really look like it, but they're called other brands like any cast uh -huh. or crazy for Miracast or, you know, what that, this one actually has a G on it that looks like Google and it says, we cast E68 Wi-Fi display dongle. Uh, so, but no, no legit Chromecast. Uh huh. I could get a Roku box. Yep. So Amazon is, you know, you also you might say unfair. You can't get a unfairly not stocking it. You can't get yeah. a you can't get a Google Home. Uh, when you search for Google Home, uh, the Amazon Echo comes up instead. Uh, and Amazon recently pulled the majority of the Nest line as well, which is also owned by Alphabet. Right. So I can't blame uh, Google for retaliating uh, in this way. I mean, Amazon is not just a store at this point. It's a platform. Yep. Right. So and they, they must also probably. And they compete with Google on a number of fronts. For example, uh, YouTube and YouTube Red and uh, Amazon Prime Video. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, weren't we talking the other day about the, the horrible uh, kid unfriendly stuff that was on uh -huh. that's on YouTube? Yeah. And I said, get get uh, get Amazon free time unlimited for your kids instead. Right. Uh, so. Um, yeah, it's uh, they are they are competing, uh, but like anything else, when you have a platform, you kind of are supposed to be fair to the competition in some way, and um, unfortunately, uh, you know, unfortunately, this hasn't been the the best situation for Google because they're not selling. You know, Amazon. I mean, there's a lot of people just only buy stuff from Amazon. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no reason that you couldn't buy a Google Home from Google.com right. or buy it from any other uh, retailer like sure. Best Buy or whatever who may be carrying it. Sure. But, um, you know, Amazon is its own animal. There are some people who just like to buy things at Amazon. Yep. So, uh, and there's a lot of sites that support Amazon by you know, using their affiliate program. So, which, which is also, um, which is also cutting into Google's space. Right. So all, all that being said, yeah, I, I 
I can't blame it. But of course, who's left suffering? It's the it's the consumer, right? Because uh, if you have a Fire tablet, uh, which is the most popular tablet in America, and I think in maybe in the world, but certainly in America, the biggest selling, um, and especially for kids, but uh, you know also for adults, you are reliant on the Amazon App Store. Sure. So if Google pulls, pulls YouTube from there, no YouTube for you. Right. You know. That's that's pretty significant. Yeah, um, it's it's the same, give or take. It's the same uh, 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 negotiating tactic that, say, CBS takes with Directv every three or four years. I was thinking about that as well. Uh, it's the same, it's the same thing. And just as as there, there's a conflict of interest, right? Because, like you know, you know, Comcast is never going to kick NBC off. Because they own it. Right. Right. So Comcast has an interest in people watching NBC instead of CBS anyway. Uh -huh. So why should they be nice to CBS? Sure. That was that was why I chose DirecTV as my example. <laughs> they're not there's no merger there yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But so so it's the same it's the same kind of thing. Uh in, in that case, uh, Comcast doesn't have a whole lot of a whole lot of reason to be nice to CBS until CBS flips the table and walks away and then they have to start talking. Well, Amazon has no particular reason to be nice to Google until Google flips the table and walks away. And then maybe Amazon has to get a, do a panic move as they see people stop using their things or switching, you know, who, who knows what the, the end result is here. Uh, but you know, you might see Amazon have to make a panic move before January 1st to keep uh, YouTube on the fire TV stuff. Well, this is an interesting question. Do they maybe just not do it? I mean, do they maybe just say, I'm, I'm walking away and that's okay. We don't need to have YouTube on this device. Could be. Could be, especially especially something like YouTube where you could just fire up the browser and go over to it. Well, you know, yes, but I, I don't I don't know if people are gonna use a web browser. I is there a browser on the Fire TV? And if so, will oh, I play YouTube? On the Fire TV, that's a fair question. I don't know the answer so, to that. So you're probably not playing YouTube on your TV, but with that, but I have to say that many earlier Roku boxes did not have YouTube, and ones that I owned, and I just got used to not using YouTube sure. on the TV. Sure. Um, I, you know, maybe I don't know. I guess people use YouTube in different ways, but I kind of think of YouTube as not like a oh I got to see this on my TV type of experience. Uh -huh. It's like oh okay, somebody sent me a viral video or I got to see a trailer or there's a how to or a game walkthrough or something. Uh -huh. I'll watch this on my phone. And game walk uh, game walkthrough is my my kind of common go to and my TV's already busy at that point. Right. So, you know, so I don't know that I really need YouTube on my TV. Sure. I mean, I'm sure some people do. It's nice it's nice to have, but you know, I more I need to be able to do use streaming services. Yeah that have legit content right. on them, you know, TV shows and movies. 
And, which of uh, course you which of course YouTube wants to be, but they haven't quite nailed that down. YouTube Red right. hasn't taken off the way they had hoped. Yeah, I mean the main reason people go to YouTube is for, you know, user submitted content. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's not it's not the place we get the majority of our views from. Sometimes you do sometimes. But <laughs> no, I mean, like, please but, go to YouTube and watch our stuff. Yeah, but I, I just mean like they're not going there to, to but, the, things that you watch on your TV a lot. If you want right. to watch me on your big screen, please go right ahead. <laughs> I, I'd love to hear from somebody who does. Um, I'm I'm watching but, you on a big screen right now. Does that count? <laughs> someone who doesn't know me personally <laughs> and watches my videos either through through F5 live or through um, or through the stuff I do for laptop and Tom Sky uh, watches me on their big TV and is not someone and is does not someone who knows me personally uh, I would love I would love to hear from them but um, you know I kind of think of that kind of thing is something you watch on your computer or you know if it's like a tech news or how to or walk through. Yeah. Do you watch on your computer or phone? Right. But, you know, that's, kind, that's kind of how I see it, too. Is a, if your mobile device is a Fire tablet, that's when you're going to have some problems. Right. Exactly. Well, it'll be it'll be interesting to see if they get far enough that they actually have to pull it from the, from the TV. Uh, that won't happen until the first of the year. Um, the... The Amazon Echo Show, I think, is supposed to be this coming Tuesday. But that's the second time that they will have pulled it from the Echo Show. And nobody seemed to notice the first time, the eight or nine people who own them. Um, I, I I, simply don't think that that one's going to hit anybody terribly hard since the screen is basically a phone screen but mounted in place. I, I can't imagine that one really impacting people, but... If it starts coming off of other devices, I think, I think at some point maybe Amazon goes, uh oh, and uh, starts dealing with it. But you know, it all depends on what it is. If they only, if they only threaten to take it off the TV, maybe Amazon goes, eh, no big deal. But if they do threaten to take it off the tablets and stuff like that, at that point maybe Amazon has to, uh, has to address it. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if you, like Abram said, if you use. Uh, YouTube on an Amazon Fire Stick or you ended up with one of the Fire TVs uh, with it built in, uh, let us know uh, what kind of, let us know that you're doing it. Let us know what kind of content it is that uh, you watch because obviously Avram and I have an idea of how YouTube is used, but everybody uses things different and you may have uh, a use case that we've never thought through. Uh, so we'd yeah. definitely like to hear from you. And you can find us on, on social media all over the place. Um, if you're watching the show right now, there's a list of all of our social media right over top of us, uh, <laughs> over our faces. Uh, let us know um, how you're using it because we'd love to hear. Um, I do know that we have some, uh, some viewers who watch our show on the Tech Podcast app on Roku who have been communicating with us, um, but... Uh, if you actually use YouTube to watch us on your big TV, we'd love to hear from you. And that is our show. 
For those of you who joined us live, thank you very much. We always appreciate our live viewers. If you weren't able to join us, that is okay. Uh, in the future, you can join us at f5live.tv slash join us. Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, on average. Uh, next week will be normal, and then for about a month, we'll be kind of skewed. And we'll let you know next week what that schedule looks like. Um, we've got we've got the holidays coming up. We've got CES coming up way too soon. We've got uh, the Plunkett's Live special events team has a great team. Uh, almost exactly the same team we had last year with uh, two adjustments. So it'll be mostly a veteran team, which we're really excited about. And Tech Podcast Network is bringing back the live show. So uh, you'll be able to follow along with all of our uh, CES content at f5live.tv slash CES. And uh, I imagine laptopmag.com slash CES will probably be a thing too. Abram? I don't know if we're going to maintain the CES. We're going to be uh, doing a lot of CES, but we found that uh, not a lot of people are coming searching specifically for a CES landing page. Okay. So our homepage on Laptop Mag and Tom's Guide will be the CES landing page because that's that's what we're doing that week. Got it. Uh, nothing, pretty much nothing but <laughs> CES. Even the people who aren't there are writing writing yes. content for you yes we have like a few people staying home and uh they're gonna write cs stories too we're gonna you know send them information so uh you know check us out of course uh at laptopmagic.com uh, but you don't need to go far it'll be on our home page uh covering everything very good all right that <clears throat> that starts in just about a month which is oh my goodness Anyway, um, so I guess uh, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we will see you guys back next week. Ciao.